Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and I'm joined, as always, with the gentleman scholar, Dylan Keniston. How are you doing, Dylan? Doing well, brother. I guess we got three, we got three guys today. That's right. Today is not two guys in the Bible. It's three guys. Three amigos. Three amigos, <laughs> amigos. in a Bible, because we are joined by Pastor Tim Buchek, pastor yeah. of Hilltown Baptist Church. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so today, we are doing uh, one of our episodes uh, to be an interview. And today we're interviewing uh, Pastor Tim about his background, ministry, uh, and his heart for ministering to God's people. And so I guess to kind of kick it off, uh, Tim, uh, please tell us briefly about your background, particularly how the Lord led you to where you're at today and what sure. you're doing. Yeah, so I'll I, I'll go all the way back. If you want me to go all the way back, I can oh, start. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, How much do you want to go it. back? All right, all right. About an hour. I love right. the throwbacks. Yeah, yeah, we, I won't take the whole hour, but... <laughs> Um, so, uh, I grew up and this is pretty, actually pretty fundamental to understanding the whole of my story. I grew up in the Catholic church. I was born and raised into a Catholic family, mm. but my family was a unique family in that, um, my mom and dad had come to Christ. They had actually come to an understanding of God's grace and they're, they, I mean, they, they were born again in the Catholic church. There was mm. something that was going on in the Catholic church back in the seventies. Um, I think, you know, historians are, were, were, were some theologians have called it the charismatic renewal. Mm. Uh, the Catholic Church, I think, called it the charismatic renewal. R.C. Sproul talked about it, and he said really what was happening was the Holy Spirit was doing work in people's hearts. And so people were coming to Christ, and there was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. And so, you know, there was there there really was a revival going on. Um, and uh, and 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 that actually, and I want to be careful here because that work of the Holy Spirit does still continue. You know, we're um, in the Catholic Church. We're I've, you know, I've, I know several uh, believers uh, who claim Christ as the only way, the only means of salvation, and uh, are in the Catholic Church. But I, so that's the family. That was the context in which I uh, was. You know, that I was born into a Catholic family, a believing Catholic family. My parents were on a journey, and um, very much like in the middle of my journey as I was kind of coming to and understanding where they were at and all that. Um, I have to say, one of the most, you know the single most life-impacting element in my childhood was watching my mom and dad transform before mm. my eyes, like watching mm. them grow in their faith, watching them pursue a deeper knowledge of God's word and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, they were going after it like that. And so they, there were people in our house on a regular basis. They would host people. They mm. would, they would, you know, we had women living in our uh, upstairs, like in an extra room. We had, um, Bible studies that were uh, being hosted by my mom and dad. Um, I remember as a child uh, trying to sleep at night, and there's guitars going downstairs, and people singing their their lungs out. Like it was just it was it was something else for me to see to to witness my mom and dad growing in their walk and uh, and growing in their knowledge of God's word. Now it got it got to a point where it got challenging because as my mom and dad were growing, they were reading scripture and. Um, coming across things that they would then go to their uh, local parish priest mm -hmm. and say, hey, can you explain this to me? Can you explain that to me? And, and I, you know, I, I'm seeing these things and they're not quite making sense. And um, if I remember correctly, I want to make sure to be fair to my parents and, and their situation. But if I remember correctly, there were times when the priest would say, hey, that's like, don't you worry about that. You, 
kind of just put the Bible down. Let me enter. I'll interpret it for you. Like I'll take care of that for you. Just come, just be faithful. Come and listen to the teaching. Um, but you're you're kind of going a little too far here. And that really didn't sit well with my parents. They mm-hmm. wanted they had a relationship with the Lord. They wanted to know Him. They were going to pursue Him no matter what. So mm-hmm. that that was like one of the elements. There are several other things that I'll I'll leave off of here today. But there were several other things that um, led to my mom and dad eventually le- taking our family away from the Catholic Church and then kind of going on a journey to find. Um, the the church home that we ended up in, which was an evangelical free church um, and a church plant that was being planted in a uh, local um, what was that a high school auditorium hmm. uh, not far from us and uh, and and that in itself that was another really transformative thing to to be able to to see and to kind of behold the worship God's people uh, just worshiping Him and loving Him and, uh, unabashedly and um, Really, just yeah, really seeking to be faithful to him. So, um, so there was so there was that element of like growing up in the in the Catholic Church and me. So then, that that was my my family's journey. My personal journey really began when I was invited by a friend of mine. His name was Toby Conrad. Uh, That's a nice name. Yeah, mm-hmm. good German Tobias Pierce Conrad. Oh, Conrad. It was a good good mm-hmm. German name. Yeah. So so Toby uh, invited me to Haycock. The boys camp, the Christian boys camp that's uh, just north of us here mm-hmm. in 413. Um, he invited me to come one summer. I really wanted to go. All I, you know, I heard that there was going to be like archery and we're going to shoot stuff <laughs> and, you know, burn stuff. And, burn stuff. Um, and uh, there's going to be swimming and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, I really want to do this. And uh, so I went one night, our counselor, um, I can't wait to meet this guy in heaven. I, I don't, I've, I've tried to. You know, like with what little information I had, I tried to track him down. I haven't been able to track him down. Um, but my counselor one evening was going, kind of going around the cabin and asking everybody, hey, so uh, what's your favorite car? And then somebody else, what's your, like, you know, what was the mo- the most recent movie that you watched? And and then he came to me and he said, and I'm sure, I'm sure like not, now that I look back on this, I'm sure that this was planted and on purpose. But he says, so Tim, how do you know you're going to heaven? Hmm. And being the good Catholic boy that I was, I said... Well, I'm a pretty good kid. I'm, which I wasn't, but I'm. I said I'm a pretty good kid, and I, like, I, I washed my grandmother's car. I don't, I don't know why that sticks out to me, but I, I, I did say that. Happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember saying I washed my grandmother's car. Like I vacuumed the den. Like I do these good things. Therefore, mm-hmm. I, I will go to heaven. Mm. And fortunately, he mm. he heard that. He didn't let that go, and so that night, later that night. As we were all kind of wrapping up and um, just hunkering down for bed, he said, hey, Tim, can I talk to you for a second? So mm-hmm. he pulls me out into the porch, the kind of the deck of this old cabin at, uh, at Haycock, and he says, hey, let me just explain a passage of Scripture to you. Let me open this up for you. And he took me to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, mm-hmm. um, where Paul writes to the Ephesians church, the, the church in Ephesus. He's right, he writes, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Yeah. And I, so that night was the, f- it was the first time I, I, it was the first time my mind started to understand something that was just completely foreign to me for some reason. To, to that point, I just didn't, I didn't have eyes to see this. But when he said, it's not by works, you cannot work your way into this. You can't, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't be good enough. There's no way to be good enough. Mm. And uh, I remember laying on my bed that night, 
feeling alive in mm. a in a way that I'd never felt before. I could I mean I could hear I was like hypersensitive of everything. I, and I, I'm I'm sure like I over remember certain things, but I could hear the light buzzing outside of the cabin, you know, like and I could hear the uh, like the mm-hmm. like the moths flickering around. I just I it was everything was so vivid to me. I was, felt like I was alive in a way that I had just never been before, and my heart was thumping and I was having just 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 this crazy evening of like just imagining God's love for me and what He's done for me um, and done for us. And so that like that was the beginning of my my journey. I went home, shared that with my parents, my dad. Um, continued that work and explained it even more and and I and I finally understood I need to commit to this. This isn't just their thing. This is my thing. And this is my faith and I need to make a commitment. So I did. So so um I prayed with my dad and I gave my life to Christ. Hmm. Uh when I when I got home later on that week. So that's that was the beginning of my yeah. spiritual journey. But you asked, well then like what so brought you here to yeah, the ministry? Yeah, the ministry, yeah. right? So okay, then uh Fast forward a few years, that that was when I was, I think I was in middle school at that time, or like late elementary school, middle school, and at that point. Um, fast forward a few years, I was really getting into a few things. Now I'm in high school, and there were kind of like three tracks that were being laid in my mm-hmm. life. One was baseball. I was never, like I'm not a, I'm not a, I was never a phenomenal baseball player, but I was, I was pretty good. Huh. And I had a good glove. I didn't. I had a consistent bat. Um, I was. I never hit a home run in my life, but um, my batting average was really good. I, I I loved being in the hot pocket on third base, just getting balls drilled down at you. So I played third base. I played first base. Hmm. Um, and really enjoyed baseball. When I was little, I was absolutely horrible. So I, I mean, when I was little, mm-hmm. you would if you said like you're gonna have fun playing baseball later on in life, I, I would have laughed at you because. My only hit when I was in Little League was when, because I never, I just never swung the bat because I never hit the ball. I was, so my, my coach's strategy was just, just let it pass. And the, the other kids, the pitchers are going to be so bad that eventually you're going to get a walk. And the chance of you getting a walk is greater than the chance of you, Tim Buchek, hitting the ball. So just don't swing the bat. <laughs> so that was his strategy for me. Uh, and the only, the only hit that I got in Little League was when the ball was coming at my head and I ducked and it hit the tip of my bat over my head and happened to land in fair play and everybody started screaming, just run, just go. <laughs> so I, I ran and I got myself to first base. So that was my that was the beginning of my, uh, my baseball, wow, that's baseball awesome. career. career. Yeah. <laughs> Great career. Don't swing. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, so, but yeah, later on in high school, I started really enjoying it, really uh, getting better at it. And uh it, it turned out there was apparently there was a, an opportunity for me to play, potentially play for Liberty University. They had oh, a, nice. a guy that was up in our area, had seen our team play um, and caught me and my coach and just said, hey, let's just let's start this dialogue here and just see where this could go. So there was so there was that. On the other hand, I had another track that was kind of being laid down. Um, I was looking for a job when I was younger. My very first job was at a gas station. Um, in the little town in New Jersey where I grew up, and uh, my first my first day was really rough. My first day, so you know how in Jersey, you don't pump your own gas, right? Mm-hmm. I try not to go yeah. to Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but it's, oh, well, yeah. it's better. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gas prices are better. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to yeah. get out of your gas. Car. That's fair. Yeah. It is. Yeah, fair. Enough, fair <laughs> so that was me growing up. I, it was, so my first job, it was my very first job, was was pumping gas. I was a gas station attendant. I'd wash people's wind, windshields when they were pulled into our station there. 
my uh, so my boss explained very clearly. All right, so you you put the pump in the tank. You go to the window and say, "What can I do? Like, what can I do? What, what would you like?" And they tell you what they would like, and then you go back and you set the pump up and then you you let it go. When the pump is done, then you take the pump out, cap off, and then go to the window and get their money. And I thought to myself, okay, that's good, but ma'am, you've probably just been doing this too long. I think I could figure out a more efficient way to do that because by the time by the time the pump's done, they could just leave. So if I have them pay while the gas is pumping. So I determined that's what I was going to do. And um, this dear little old lady pulled in. I can remember she was wearing, she was driving a, a blue sedan wearing a pink blouse. And uh, I think she had just gotten her hair permed or something like that. So I, she pulled into the gas station and I, my, I started executing my plan. I put the pump in, went and asked her what she would like. I started the pump. I went back to the window and said, that'll be, I think it was like $5 because that's back when you could actually get a yeah. decent amount yeah. of gas for five yeah. bucks. So she said, I'll take five of the regular. I went back to the window, took the five. She started the car and started driving off while the gas was pumping into her tank. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and so the gas starts spewing everywhere. And uh, we, there was this emergency shutoff switch. We nailed that. But there was like by that time, there were like gallons and gallons of gas oh all over goodness. the driveway. Wow. Wow. And she had no clue. So she just pulled out to the end of the driveway and just kept going onto the road. And off she went, dragging our hose oh my. behind her. She didn't yeah. notice. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was not a good first date. Anyway, so... I, I went and got a different job because <laughs> that one didn't work out too well. Owning a gas station. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I started working at a restaurant. And the, the really the goal at the time, the goal was just to make a couple bucks. But I, uh, I I took this job at a restaurant and I really quickly fell in love with, like, the restaurant atmosphere and just the, the whatever, the lifestyle, the, the food. It was just – it was fun. It was a fun place to work. There was a lot of cool camaraderie among the wait staff mm-hmm. and among the, the kitchen staff. What was your role at the restaurant? Were you a so I started or? out as a busboy. You were a busboy, yeah. Okay. Just got it, got like got I was folding napkins, you know, and then just busting tables got it. at first. Got it, got it. And uh, you still get that camaraderie though, because like you're helping oh, the totally. servers, and yeah. like they're like you know, yep, hopefully appreciative yeah. of that. Have you like, done it? Have you, you ever been in the? Yeah. Well, because I, 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 I did the busboy thing. I yep. served for a little while, and then I was a host. So okay, okay. I did the restaurant thing in college, but anyway, go on. Yeah. Well, so I told my I, I told my chef, his name was Dieter Neuweiler. I said, hey Dieter, I would love. I'd love to just learn a little bit more and like maybe even get on the hotline at some point. And he said, okay, well, this is something that you're interested in. I want to walk you through every station of the restaurant because I want you to appreciate every yeah. station of the restaurant. Yep. So for a couple of weeks, he had me do, um, you know, everything. He had, he had me back washing dishes. He had me mopping floors. He had me, and then like, you know, busting tables, waiting tables eventually when I was old enough to, um, to serve. And then I was back in the, the, I was back in the line. I was helping the pastry chef. We were, uh, making pastries, making, and then I was off to the sauce station making sauces and stuff. The restaurant has a pastry chef. Can yeah. we just stop and pause? Like, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was a good, it was a good restaurant. Not too many restaurants yeah. have like their own pastry chef right. on staff. Right. Like, that's right. amazing. Yeah, he had his own Sorry. room. Like, he had, wow. he, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good I love stuff. It. So, and uh, I just, yeah, I really, I, I was really fascinated with it and um, started to really enjoy culinary arts. My mom, in the meantime, mm. my, you know, my, my mom at home was, uh, having fun, like exploring food on her own, like and and even for our family, it was just it's just a, it was a, it's kind of a cool time in life where it was an art that I was really appreciating, and it's a, you know it's a God given art, so it was something something fun to get into. Um, and then my junior year, so here's here's where all this is going. And then um, at wait, there's a third track. So the third track is this 
is this ministry track where uh, I had been invited to go with my class to go down to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip mm-hmm. when I was at the end of my eighth grade year and um, fell in love with not, you know, with the Dominican Republic, with the, with the people, but with the missionaries as well. My, a good friend of mine, Matt, he invited me to go back because he had family there that was in ministry there. And um, so we did. We went back a couple of years later. This is around, um, yeah, so- sophomore, junior year. <clears throat> went back a couple of years later. And the time I spent with this one man, I have to call him out, Richie Vallette, he, his attitude, his joy in the Lord and his joy, like the joy that he had for other people, the love that he had for other people was so contagious. And it totally blew my mind and all of my concepts about what ministry is and what ministry could be. Because if you remember, you know, growing up in the Catholic church, ministry to me was like next to death. Like if you're <laughs> like, if you're going to, if you go into ministry, that means you're, first of all, that means you're super holy. Because only the holiest people go into ministry. That's right, right, only the holiest. Yeah, and and <laughs> if you're willing to go into ministry, it means you're willing to be like miserable for the rest of your life because you can't get married, you can't like you're going to give up like social life and everything else, and you have to walk around in black the rest of your life. Like it was just like that was my mindset of that was my understanding of if you go into ministry, it's like it's painful, and and God bless you because you're willing to give up all your joy mm-hmm. in order to serve God, and that's how you know you've really arrived. As if you're joyless in God. And you're miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. enter Richie Vallette. I get down to the Dominican Republic. This guy has this ceaseless smile and this crazy sense of humor. <laughs> Just loves people, loved me, and um, had so much fun doing ministry. And then you could see even just... God's joy just exuded from this man in a really powerful way. And it blew me away. I had no idea. Like, okay, that's what... That's what it is. That's what... Like walking in Christ, that's what being like walking in obedience, filled with the Spirit, and and the joy of the Lord really looks like in the flesh. It 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 just it revolutionized my view of ministry. So I I couldn't help but just keep that on the, like one shelf of my mind. That it it it, it transformed something in me. Hmm. Um, a couple of years later, I was invited to go to the Czech Republic with uh, my pastor, my dad, and a few men from our church. We were going to go host an English camp in the Czech Republic. And, um, and I, I had the privilege of just going and shadowing these godly men that I really admired and watching them do ministry. And at one point on that trip, my, my pastor and the pastor that we were working with, the Czech national pastor, um, the both of them kind of cornered me and they said, Tim, you need to pay attention to this. This is on you. You need to, you need to do something about this and and pray about this and, and consider going into ministry. When I got back home about three months later, Dave Lesko, another man uh, that was pretty uh, pivotal part of my life, a godly older man, ca- caught me, pulled me aside, and put it, I remember putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, Tim, you need to pay attention to what God's doing in your life in regard to maybe going into ministry. I think maybe you should consider going into full-time ministry. And so, I mean, in, in a way, let, I mean, let this stand as a challenge to our, to our men and to... If, if and when you see somebody developing, somebody catching a, like, or just the potential in somebody, you have the power, you have the ability to cast vision for a younger man in a way that can transform, it can change the trajectory of their life. You know, if, if, yeah. you, if you identify something that God's, 
you know, like not don't make something up. Don't don't just go around and telling everybody. Hey, I think you could do. That. I could think you could do. This. Just but if you're careful and if you're if you're paying attention to what God is doing in somebody's life, to call it out and to highlight it for them, because it's not something that I saw in myself, not at all. I that was, I mean, I I was fascinated by it. I was I was I enjoyed serving. I was a volunteer in our youth group at the time and really loved like being involved in what capacity I was. I didn't ever, I would never have considered going into full-time ministry had somebody else, had these other older men that I admired and respected come alongside me and said, pay attention, pay, pray about this, commit this to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so then it's good. in my junior year, all of these things kind of came to a head. Trinity, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Liberty University, the, the scout that was up, he came back the, the following year, came back. I was talking to myself and, baseball and scout. two other guys, yeah, about mm-hmm. baseball, and um, said, "All right, I think I think we could put together a package for you, but I need to like we need to sit down and actually sign some papers and talk mm. to your parents and stuff like that. You know, do you want to do this? Yes or no?" And then that same week, my chef Dieter said, "Hey, so here's an offer I want to put on the table. My I have a brother in France and a brother in Germany. Both of them own restaurants. I will like if you buy your ticket, they will put you up in their." Homes slash restaurants, because um, I think both of them actually had homes built and their restaurants were in the first floor, like storefront kind of thing. And they'll train you. And then one year from now, you come back and work for me. And uh, and so that, and then at the same time, I got my acceptance letter to Moody Bible Institute oh my goodness. Wow. in Chicago. Oh, so, the same time. Yeah, it was kind of yeah, like, yeah. So wild. I felt like there was something no really providential. Well, but it was, <laughs> I, I've, in, like in hindsight, I've praised the Lord that it happened that way because it allowed me to to put these other things that I valued side by side, mm. and say, "All right, so which, yeah, where am I? Which way am I gonna go?" Mm. And with instead of having gotten this acceptance letter from Moody, with this like hanging kind of regret, like, did I ever really justly explore? Is that an option for me? Is that an option for me? So God allowed this to kind of culminate at one point, have these options on the table, and then for me to just commit to prayer and. Um, so, and, and I, I chose, I really, I, it was, I can't explain it. There was no audible voice. It was just this deep conviction. Mm-hmm. This is my way. And if I don't go this way, I will, I will be disobeying. So I had to, wow. I had to follow my heart. I had, I mean, I, I really do believe it was like, like the conviction that, that conviction that the Holy Spirit gives you by his grace, he kind of pushes you mm-hmm. like, yeah. and, um, this, this urgency. So was that for undergrad then? It was for undergrad. Yeah. yeah. Now for Moody, so Moody, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Moody, I don't, I, I can't say I know currently how their program is set up, but really at the time, it was like a seminary. It was seminary as far as classes go. Um, in fact, you know, later on when I went to seminary and got my master's degree, I was taking a lot of the same classes that I had already taken at Moody and the undergrad program because the undergrad program was originally designed to prepare uh, ministers for ministry and yeah. full-time ministry. So I loved it. I loved my time at Moody. And I met my wife, which was awesome. So mm, Kelly yeah. that's important. entered yep. my life in, yeah, at Moody. I, my Our first year. So <laughs> here's how this went down. When I, <laughs> when I first, so my first impression of Kelly, when I, when I, when we first met, um, Listen up, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's tuning in right She's now. She's tuning in right now. <laughs> oh boy, I gotta, I gotta um, Kelly was the front man, front woman for a hard rock 
band that was on campus. They were playing at really? for one of the Christian night shows. Christian Hard Rock? Yeah, Christian Hard Rock. Wow, yeah, she, like almost almost screamo. I can't quite call it screamo, but it was, yeah, it was loud. It was pretty aggressive. And um, and when I whenever I bumped into Kelly, which I did several times, like in the lunch line, stuff like that, in the cafeteria at the college, whenever I bumped into her, okay, I'll say it. I thought she was a jerk. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. Right. Now okay. we'll bleep that one out. No, 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 no don't bleep it. No, no so my wife now the same thing yeah. as me in undergrad. <laughs> and I and I was a jerk. Like to her to her defense, I was a total jerk. So yeah. I don't know. Was no. Okay, yeah. So that now that I said it, let me explain it. So Kelly grew up in the Philippines. Uh, had spent the last you know basically two decades of her life in the Philippines, and she was coming straight from Manila to Chicago. Uh, you know, right into diving right into the college scene, and. As and I learned, I learned this later that as this like defense mechanism, it was just easier for her to kind of be a little more cold toward people, so that she wouldn't have to mm. just kind of throw herself in, you know, or, or whatever, just um, mm-hmm. be as open and whatever. So it was, it was, it was simpler. It was like a defense mechanism. Just I want to give this one more layer, uh, and mm. until I can acclimate uh, a little bit better uh, and mm. back into the American culture and to the college scene and all that stuff. So I got that. I finally got that later, but at at first, really, genuinely, at first, I thought, man, this girl, she's she's like a tough nut. She's really, she's a jerk. It's kind of mean. Yeah, but um, I'll ask her out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she was, yeah, she's she's beautiful. She's talented, and um, and you know, you, you when you see somebody, you like you see that potential, and uh, not even potential. Like there was something there. She she yeah. really is a she's no, a godly woman. She was a godly woman, but um, yeah, so. We finally started to get to know each other toward the latter years in our um, at at college. Got engaged after our junior year, so we we like really went after a good, healthy relationship our our junior year. Got engaged after our junior year, and then we're married after our senior got after graduation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, then we had this grand plan. Like everything had been mapped out. We were going to work for two years, live off of one salary, mm-hmm. save the other one for grad school. And then I was going to quit my job, go to grad school while Kelly continued to work. We had it all mapped out. Grad Our, school for what? Grad school for ministry. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, I was going to go to Trinity. I, I, I was accepted at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, so I started there. Um, now, yeah, nothing was going to mess with our plan. That's right. My plan. Yeah. And then... There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, in... And then Keston. Keston came along. <laughs> and then yeah. So we found out. I think. Are I you listening, was, Keston? Yeah. It was yeah. May May of <laughs> of uh, 2003. We found out that uh, Keston was coming, and we didn't know he was a boy yet. Um, but uh, we found out we were pregnant, and we immediately knew. Okay, this is gonna mess with our plans, but we're gonna we're gonna push through. We can make this work. I want to make my plan work. Yeah. Like that was like I was, we were determined. Um, and then we got a phone call. Uh, about six months later from a church called Hilltown Baptist Church. Hmm. And they said, hey, we've got this connection. A couple of, you know, you, you're, I've, I was working at Moody in their admissions department. You know one of our guys, Dave Lesko. And I said, yeah, I know Dave. Dave was pretty instrumental in help, helping me go to Moody in the first place, um, kind of pointing me in that direction. So we talked. They said, we've got this position. We have a student ministry director position. We'd like you to consider it. And I said, no. I'm sorry. We like we have a plan. <laughs> and they said, you're not well, part of it. Yeah, you're not, yeah. We had our, we, it was mapped out. But they said so. Rich Jensen was his name. Pastor Rich said, "Listen, just 
just, you know, just pray about it. Would you at least do that? And I said, okay, I can't. How can we not? Let, yeah. like, we'll at least mm-hmm. just pray about it. So hung up the phone, told Kelly. And Kelly, she's always been more perceptive than I am. I'm a little slow and thick uh, when it comes to that. She, she said, I think something's in this. And I think we need to pay attention to it. So we committed that time. Mm. Just that season, we committed it to prayer, kind of um, pursued a couple more conversations. And it became increasingly clear that, yeah, this would be a really good move for our family um, and uh, giving opportunity to serve in ministry while continuing to train for ministry through the local seminary here at Biblical Seminary. So uh, we did it. We made the move and came to Hilltown. That was 14 years ago. As two, youth minister. 2004. As, yeah. Yeah, working mm-hmm. in, in the youth ministry. Now, mm-hmm. of course, I'm, you know, I made a lot of mistakes my first years. Um, grew a lot. I mean, mistakes toward Kelly, mistakes toward the kids, mistakes toward families or ministry or whatever. But I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have grown in a mm-hmm. place that was able to exercise grace and let me fail at times and help me grow through those failures and uh, continue to, to pursue what, I was, what was becoming more crystallized as a desire to disciple, specifically disciple other men. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, younger men, to, mm-hmm. to, to, just to pour into them. But what brought you to take the position of pastor then? Yeah, so um, 2010, our then-senior pastor, Jay Bergman, resigned. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was serving as the student ministry pastor, but the, the elders kind of moved me into a different position. It was uh, an associate pastor. I was kind of the, the Dutch boy, just plugging any hole I can yeah. um, at the time. And uh the Lord really was doing some cool things in our church family at the time. The The, the church family continued to grow, um, like, you know, numerically, but also spiritually we were growing. We were People were serving in ways because we were without a pastor. Everybody was stepping up in some really beautiful ways. The elders were stepping up in some cool ways. It was great to work. We felt a sense of team among the staff and the elders that um, we had not sensed or, or been able to have that kind of that freedom and that camaraderie as we were serving side by side. So... There's some really, just really beautiful dynamics that the Lord was crafting within the heart of Hilltown at that time, which we've endeavored to capture and hold on to since that season, mm-hmm. too, as, as much as possible. Um, we looked for a number of, you know, the, there was a search committee that went, that got together. They looked at a number of different guys. There were some guys that came, candidated that I really loved, and I thought, man, I would love to serve with these guys and be there. I'll be their right-hand man. I'll do, you know, whatever I could see myself serving with some of these guys. Um in fact, a couple of them I've kept in touch with. I've got a good relationship with some of these guys that came and candidated for the position. But for various reasons, and some unknown, unknown to me, they, the search committee decided to pass, or the elders decided to pass. Huh. And um, what was cool was at the time, you know, so I was this, I was this young kind of punk uh, youth <laughs> leader. I had a mohawk at the time, or a faux hawk. Like, now we know what the Lord's <laughs> done with that. Now. Yeah, yeah, this is like direct... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now I've got... It's just that strip is gone. It's gone. <laughs> the Lord's judged me. just mowed, mowed down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. man. So, uh, so, so I, at the, you know, I, I had opportunities to know some of our seniors, but not to, like, to serve them in a more corporate way. Mm-hmm. So to be able to, to serve by opening God's Word on a Sunday morning, it, it continued to cultivate in me a love for our church as a whole, like, I, you know, I, I love, I love a lot of people in our church individually, but it helped me to really cultivate a love for the family that's mm-hmm. here yeah. and to care for the family. There's something really unique that happens when you step into the pulpit and you care, you spiritually, you care, then you, you want to nurture 
this body of Christ, there's something really beautiful and that's almost inexplicable that happens in, in that, in those moments. So I, I began to grow in my love for the church. I began to grow in my knowledge of the church. And I think in turn, the church began to grow in, I, I think it's fair to say in love for me and for my wife and, and in knowledge of us and just to get to know each other better. So that was developing kind of, you know, not purposefully, it was, but that was, that was happening. It's organic. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. then two years into the search, the, uh, the search, search committee and the, the elders said to the search committee, Hey, we'd like for you to really consider Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, to be honest, it was something that I really wanted at that point really wanted to, I didn't, um, Bob McIntyre, mm, I think it was early on, maybe three months after our senior pastor resigned, Bob, Bob McIntyre looked at me and he said, Tim, he said, I think you could do this, nice. but, yeah. but, and this is a really good word. He said, I don't think you should go after this yet. I think this is something that needs to take time. And he said later on, he followed up on that conversation. And he said, just imagine if you had, if you had been brought in right away, that could have really destroyed your ego. It could have given you some false assurance just in the flesh, you know, and your like confidence where confidence ought not be. And mm. I really, I, it, I like, I needed to hear, it was almost prophetic, you know, in the, my, like just because he, he hit something in my heart that was very present. And, um, it was just really helpful for him to articulate that this older, wiser man who had pastored congregations himself, um, it was just, he was just speaking truth into uh, my life at that moment. Um, so I'm glad. I really am glad for that time, that process, that kind of maturing that was happening at that time. And uh, so 2012, the congregation voted June 10th, 2012. Nice. They voted to bring me on as the senior pastor. Wow. So. And uphill since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been good. Yeah, very well, brother. I mean, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, there's there's a couple of things that really stand out in your story to me. So one, I mean, just the way that the Lord had had His hand on on your life at various f- stages, where you know there are a couple of different options, a couple of different ex- experiences that you had that were just really pivotal in moving you in the direction that you ended up going. Um, you know, whether it's you know the three tracks mm. for your work, mm-hmm. um, you know, ended up. Marrying your wife, which, by the way, do you listen to any Christian hard rock nowadays? Yeah, is that still, I, I, is that I do, still a yeah, thing? Yeah, hey, <laughs> still a thing. Get some skillet going or something like oh that. Nope, I don't know. Nope. And even like, yeah, we've even branched out to some rap. I love, I do love Lecrae. And, yeah, and, yeah, 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 totally. You guys are weird. <laughs> I'm right there with you, brother. Uh, well, but but I love this guy named Dylan Keniston. He's got oh, some good rap. He raps too. Yeah, are we yeah. putting that on blast right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Ask no, him about it. No, strike. Oh so no, it's it's really neat to see um, how the Lord has kind of moved in your life and and how uh, certain decisions or pivotal experiences brought you to, to kind of where you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had just just coming off trip a little bit, but you mm-hmm. had just come back from sabbatical, yeah. um, and you had an opportunity, I think, to go and take some additional yeah. courses. Um, could you speak a little bit to like sure. just what was that experience like and yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, how was that? What was the time like for for you and for your family? Because I I think if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was the first chunk of time like for that sabbatical that you yeah. had since you were first installed. Right. right. So I mean that's that's a long time yeah. without like a sabbatical like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. So oh man, my 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 mind's flooding with a couple of different things. But like on yeah, the one of one of my pastors that I interned under when I was uh, early on in college. Um, 
he he made a comment that was it just unsettled me really deeply where I was mm. asking him about a particular movement in the world of theology at the time called open theism yeah. or the openness of God. Yeah. And uh, it was something that was just really hitting large. There were people were hosting conferences about it. Are and there serious? was just all kinds of questions being asked. Like, well, what do you think about this? And so I was, I, we were sitting down to breakfast and I said, hey, where, where are you at on this? And he gave this really nonchalant, like, ah, It'll blow over. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. I love it. <laughs> and I thought, it, like, at that very moment, I thought, all right, I never, I never yeah. want that to be me. Like, yeah. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm like, I know what I need to know. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll be fine. That's what the Pope said okay. to Martin Luther. It'll blow over. It'll blow over. Yeah. yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Because yeah. I thought that was coming from a different angle. But basically, no, so, was your, there was like, I don't need to worry. I don't need to think about that. I don't yeah. need to read up on it. Yeah. It's no I went deal. through, and it was, it was kind it. of like this surrender. Like, I've been through my classes. Yeah. I've got what I, like, the tools in my belt are sharp enough. I'm good. I'm fine. And yeah. I, I just thought, man, I, I always, I just want to pursue a, a lifelong learning posture, you know? And mm-hmm. so I've, yeah, I really, I praise the Lord for the time that the church gave us to to take off and to kind of get back into the seat and then more actively so to get back into the seat of learning. I'm I, I love to read. Um, reading is like a love. I got I have like a love hate relationship with reading to be honest because it is like I'm a slow reader. Yeah. And typically what I read is pretty dense. Right. And so it it makes it even more slow. Um, but I love the result. I mean, just the the, the chance to learn, the chance to be stretched and to and to for perspective to be given and for, for me to come away from my reading, just worshiping the risen Lord Jesus Christ because of this other perspective that, or this new insight into scripture that I just didn't have before. You can't get that yeah. unless you're learning. Amen. So to pursue that is just such a precious thing. Hmm. Um, so to have that, to have this concentrated time, these past three, those three months um, to take, you know, leadership class, I took a leadership class and I took a counseling class and the the counseling class really was, like that defined my summer in a unique way from a learning perspective. It was called Dynamics of Biblical Change by Dr. David Pallison from CCEF, which is the Christian Counseling Educational Foundation. I highly recommend this to anybody who would have some time. It's a it's an online course. Everything's made available online. I had the privilege of being able to get down to the campus sometimes to uh, interact on you know in person um, because we're close enough here. But man, when uh, I I think I can. I think I can say this in a way that's honorable. The um, you know, Dr. Pallison is a dear man. He's not like this f- fancy, you know, uh, uh, flowery speaker. He, um, he's he's a godly and and like in a way, in that way, kind of simple man. At the end of the first hour, I was just so struck by man. I am sitting in the presence of somebody who knows the human heart, who's really thought deeply about the dynamics of grace colliding with brokenness and what that does and how, how to treat it, how to go about, like how to receive somebody who's, who comes to you broken, how to receive somebody who's um, obstinate and hardened and like how to, how to speak truth into their life. I loved it, loved the class. And not only was I able to sharpen some tools for myself as a pastor, it was wrecking my heart. Like every week going through this was just, it was so insightful. Like, it's just so insightful into the human heart that like I felt like I was under the surgery of the gospel knife, you know, like like being pulled open, like ripped open. And then yet like at the end of it healed back and, and, uh, and mended. It was just, it was such a good exercise for my own heart and my mind. Um, so I'm re- I really am grateful for the time for this summer. Amen. Yeah. No, I, I got a chance to talk to Dr. Pallison, um, once or twice and I, I got 
my take was the same mm. in the sense that like he's just like here's a dude that's just got a ton of wisdom right yeah the gospel yeah. wisdom that's just drenched in yes. just a lot of thought about brokenness and just like yep. you said yeah um and it's 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 very impactful ccef does fantastic work they do um so yeah. very grateful yeah. to the lord for their ministry yeah um what would you say so so reflecting back on so so you officially kicked off the past you were installed in 2000 was it 10 or 2012 12 yep. 12 12 yep. So, um, so since then, uh, what would you say have been some of the challenges that you have faced mm-hmm. unique to pastoral ministry? Maybe some of the, some of the, um, you know, victories that the Lord has provided, yeah. you know, in the context of, of doing pastoral ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I do hear just what you described earlier about how, uh, about, you know, Roman Catholic priests or there's a kind of, um, you know, they're wearing black and they're giving up the joy and they're, <laughs> they're, they're no social life or anything like that. Yeah. Very yeah. limited. Um, I, 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 re- I remember hearing one time a, a uh, pastor uh, whom I, I trust and, and regard highly, and he said, you know, look, in, in any kind of leadership, there is a kind of, um, he, he used the word loneliness, but he didn't mean mm-hmm. in like a, like a sad kind of way. He was just like, you, you, I think what he meant was you, you want to avoid favoritism, sure. right? And like you just kind of are trying to, uh, you're trying to shepherd the entire flock, yeah. right? And so you don't want to, you know, you don't, you're not necessarily uh, buddy-buddying up with, with, you're not cliquish, right. is what he was saying to avoid. Right. Um, but it, it, that was interesting to me too when I, when I heard it, because I'm like, you know, in my mind, that would be, uh, that would be one, of the, one of the challenges that could come with pastoral ministry is just like, I, I don't know if this rings true, but uh, I don't know, how, how have you navigated some of those things? yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, great question. And I, yeah, some of the, so some of that separation or, or felt loneliness, I mean, part of that's just for, like, for the protection of your friends. You can't, you just because of the nature of the position, you know way more than you would want to know in an, in an ordinary yeah. life. You just, you know things about people or things about what's going on in a certain home or marriage. Um, sometimes you know things about parents that they don't know you know hmm. because of kids coming to you and, and asking for help. Sometimes you know something about a, a spouse that you're kind of wait, you know, waiting for the right time to address with the other spouse. You know? So, um, yeah, it's, it, that, part, that part of it is that's unique because you bear something and you love these people, right? It's not like they're projects. They're right. people. They're my right. friends. They're the people that I love. Mm-hmm. I would take a bullet for a lot of these. So I, so it's, that's a heavy thing. And even, even sometimes, um, some of, sometimes there, there are issues that not even our elders or not all of our elders know or, and then things that I, I can't share with my spouse. So um, hmm. that is a unique kind of, there's a unique kind of loneliness there. It's just, it's almost like burdens. It's almost like a Frodo's burden where he's got this yeah. ring around his neck. There's only, 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 he can carry it. That's a Lord of the Rings reference. For yeah, the there you go. Yeah, my, I, I like <laughs> Tolkien, so. I do too. That's yeah, a great. Big fan. Um, big fan. He only has but, one friend, Samwise. Yeah, Samwise. He's the man. I think he's the hero. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so, so th- there's something unique about that, that burden. But it does, th- it feels ostracizing to a, to a degree. You're trying to protect other people. But then there's, uh, there's also this assumption, and there's truth. There is truth in relation to this, but there's assumption that, well, Tim and Kelly and their family, they're too busy for 
us. So we're going to have this thing over here mm. and we're not going to invite them because we know they're too busy. And so yeah. every once in a while, it just, that feels lonely too. We're just, um, it would, it would be more fun to be invited even if we have to say no than not, but we get it. And there's, the, there's this perception that we're just running ragged. Um, so, uh, and then on the other hand, um, just, you know, leadership and having to navigate those things of like, we, we want to, we want to accomplish certain things. We've got a vision for the ministry, but we can't let it leak too soon, too, mm-hmm. you know, too fast. So there, you're kind of, you're not like our family says, we don't keep secrets. We keep surprises. Like, and so that, so that's kind of this, like that dynamic of like, eventually we're going to tell the congregation, but we're not there yet. And so we have to hold those things off. Yeah. All those, all those dynamics just, they do, they kind of, they make you feel a little, a little lonely at times, but, um, it, it's okay. This this is gonna sound like the Sunday school answer, but I, I can't stress just how true it is that you are known, yeah, that you are loved, that you that your like that your burden is not in vain, that um, there is a God who cares even more deeply than you and is actually capable of fixing the problems that you can't fix. Mm-hmm. You're not the savior. Mm-hmm. All like all of these truths are like I preach them to my heart all the time. I have to because otherwise I would just I would implode. Um, and the, I mean, the gospel just is so sweet. I mean, you think that you think the gospel is something that we as, as, as ministers or as, uh, just as brothers in Christ or whatever, that, that we, that the gospel is something that we use to introduce a soul to salvation, but it's not, the gospel is something that the most mature and becoming mature, like we're preaching it all the time mm-hmm. to yeah. our own hearts. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Again and again and again. Yeah. Amen. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that that with us and uh, we have about you know about 10 minutes left or so but uh, I mean what are certain things especially now coming off of sabbatical Mm -hmm. and having seen different um, uh, places of worship uh, different perspectives and and because you know previously you were in it yeah but now you were able to go around and learn more and see it yeah what are some particular things that are on your heart as as pastor here at Hilltown uh, whether it's goals, projects, ministries, things like that, like, like what do you foresee in the next several steps? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, one of them we're al- we're already starting to move on, and I we, I made this known to the congregation a couple of weeks ago. But um, we one of the things that we really enjoyed as we were going from church to church was some some church actually. So what we enjoyed was the difference between churches and and what we learned in the gap between one versus another. Um, so some of the churches that we went to had a lot of music, a lot of great singing, like a lot of opportunity to lift your voice and to sing God's praise, but it kind of just meandered from one thing to the other. You didn't really know, like, okay, I, I love, oh man, I love this song. This is a great song. This is like, definitely it's like part of the top CCLI top 100, like, oh great. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in the ballpark, but why are we singing this song here now? I have no, I, I have no idea. We're just singing. So just like almost, it was almost like, don't worry about it. Just sing. <laughs> and, um, then we, we were at other churches where they led you through the flow of the gospel through this, you know, beholding God in his glory, then beholding your own. Like if that's, if that's his glory, mirror that back to yourself and see how far you are from matching up, how desperate you are compared to him and how much you need him. And how much you have to confess to him, and then rejoicing in, uh, and then spending time in confession, and then rejoicing in 
the sacrifice of Christ that makes that relationship possible, mm-hmm. that gap between you and your holy God, mendable. And, uh, and, then, and then take your requests to him because mm-hmm. he's the one who's listening to you. He's mediating for you. He wants to hear your heart. So go to him. Go to him in prayer. And, and that, like, that exercise, when we sat in the congregation of, of those churches that were walking that, those what we could call rhythms of grace to steal the name from a, a good book, by uh, I think it's Michael Cosper. Hmm. Um, like that, by the time we got, even like before the sermon even started, like our hearts had been exercised in the gospel so hmm. thoroughly. We were like, ah, yes. Yeah, like that's huge. It just felt, yeah. And then, and to be, to be reminded of the forgiveness that we have and to be, to rejoice in the work of Christ, our savior. It was, it just, it was so good for our hearts. And we thought that's it. Like that, like if there's anything we could bring back to Hilltown, that would be it to to have that kind of exercise of the gospel on a regular basis. So, for even the most mature to enjoy the gospel, for the, those who are just exploring Christianity to actually see in real time, to see oh this is how it changes the heart. Like your 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 life can be transformed today if you mm-hmm. walk through this faithfully, or your attitude that thing that you've been struggling with this week you can like. Those that gap that you feel between who you are and who you want to be, and and like, you know that really essentially the gap between God's standard and your mm-hmm. fault. You, there's a solution, and here it is. We're gonna walk you right through it. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was it was so powerful and uh, so affecting to us. So we just we had to bring it back to the. And it was intentional. It was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This, this, I mean, when you bring it up, it's just interesting how. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. And, and, and as reflecting on, you know, just pick the songs. I mean, kind of keep yeah. the theme together, yeah. but, you know, just pick the songs. They're right, nice songs. Right. It's like, but I mean, we're telling us, I mean, you're telling, it's anyway, we're telling a story about the story, the story, right? Yeah. It's like every other movie, it's yep. like they pick music yep. for the particular scene. That's right. It's very it's like, and you can tell it's like that music shouldn't be playing like right here. <laughs> like that's really weird. Like why? Right. Is yeah, right. That's <laughs> a good totally. way to put it. Yeah. 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 So, no, that's awesome. That's, that's cool to, yeah, you know, that you're that. So that's well, yeah. that's one thing. Yeah. There, there are other like on a on a micro level. There's a kind of like a micro level and a macro level. That's mm-hmm. one thing on a micro level. Another thing on a micro level would be more relational ministry. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really want to see our. I mean, we've got a good community going. We've got, and I think we've got potential to be a great community. And I want to see that. And I'd love to. to I'm, I'm like, we're going to continue to to like to beat this drum of just get in each other's lives and spend yeah. time with one another. Yeah. Exercise hospitality. Take time for one another after Sunday. Go out to lunch together, just and and square somebody up. Yeah, like look them in the eye and ask them and mean it. Ask them, how are you doing? Are What's you the Lord in doing? Sin? In your... <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm... you can get there eventually. Yeah, but maybe don't start with that. Like, how about like, hey, you want to do the lunch at Tabora first? Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. <laughs> but like, uh, like you just look at but like, how's your soul? Right, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, just... how's your how's your yeah, walk going? Fair. Like, that's I, I've I have had like brothers or sisters or brothers come to me. Where, well, my sister, my my wife, right come to me and just be like, you know, how's your soul doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just like, I have to stop and think about how I answer that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's... She that's, asked you that question? She does. That's she impressive. will. Yeah. yeah, she'll just, she'll come to me and she'll be like, you know, how are you doing in your walk? Like, how, how's your soul mm-hmm. doing? And I'll just be like, okay, like, let's let's talk about this. And it mm-hmm. opens up great conversation. Yep. So yeah, I mean, that's that's huge to have that kind of rhythm in the life of a church and in the dynamic of a church, yeah. uh, of a church family. Yeah. Like just being involved in one another's lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and being willing to say, being willing yeah. to ask, to listen, and then to speak truth and love into That's one true. another's life. And when you see an opportunity for growth, 
to articulate it. Like yeah. we're so stinking scared. Surface level. Well, we're, we're just we're scared of offending people. We're yeah. scared of like pushing people out of their comfort zone. Yeah. But I mean, when you when you look through scripture, like the most transformative moments in people's lives were when they were pushed. You know, like Paul said, Timothy, yeah. leave your home, come with me. Or yeah. when Jesus said, you know, drop your nets and come with me. Or when, yeah, yeah, yeah like, you know, God calls out Jeremiah. He calls out Isaiah. Like he, he like they, there's a confrontation. And there's a moment at which he says, you need to hear this. You need to do this and go after this. And so there, we have to be willing to say, hmm. like, hey, I, like, I love you. I've watched the way you've interacted with your kids. It's not good. Like, let me, can I just say, or, you know, whatever, however you go about it, whatever oh, yeah. dynamic of relationship that you have with this other person, be willing to say it and then say it. And, and in love, speak that truth that can help them grow mm-hmm. and become more like Jesus Christ. Because that's our goal as Christians. Our goal is to be transformed in the likeness, likeness of Christ. And, you know, we can, we can say on one hand, like, that is my responsibility. I am responsible for my spiritual growth. But there is a responsibility from the body to one another um, to to push each other, to exhort one another, as Scripture would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I love that. And I think the reverse is also true in this, uh, just to complement that. Like, one of the things that, that I um, I hope is, is true of myself and I know is not always true of mm-hmm. myself is to be open to, to that kind of critique and open to that kind of criticism, yeah, not good. get defensive and right. just, That's true. you know, knee-jerk, like, oh, you don't know me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who are you? Who are you? To, who to made get out you of my prince life? over? Yeah, man. like, like that's, and that's just not it, right? Like, so, like, as as, as Christians, we we want to, um, we, we want our hearts to be postured in such a way to be receptive to yes. that kind of feedback instead of just, like, keeping others at an arm's length, yeah. you know, because, well, they don't know me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, well, it, it would be good for them to know you so that they, they can speak into your life like that. We don't want to develop a kind of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like being slow to be offended generally. Yes. I just think like slow to be just generally in, in, in culture, in, in culture and society today, I mean, ten, we're, you know, tension, tensions can be high and we're very easily uh, quick to be offended and quick to get maybe angry even sometimes. Uh, I would just say like one of the things that would mark off uh, you know, something that is reflective of kind of a, a, a Christian behavior is is generally to be slow to be offended when the the offense is personal, mm-hmm. right? So not to be like personally offended if somebody, mm-hmm. you know, comes at me like says, hey, you know, you, you probably are, you know, maybe, yeah, obviously you, you want smell, to know the person you smell a bit. and you want to yeah. like have some kind of relationship <laughs> with them. But even if you don't, like if somebody yeah. just came up to me like, dude, you were just like talking to your wife and that just was not nice to yeah. say. Yeah. I'd be like, Ah, you're right. Yeah, ah, I think right. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. and it might be right. Yeah, it might be wrong, but it might be right. And yeah. it's, it, words it, from a friend can be trusted. Words from a friend, That's, exactly. That yeah. is true. Yeah, and, and it's like if you push people away or you get so defensive and get so aggressive that you make people disengage from you, yeah. but then we can't complain that we're not being discipled or that oh, no one's involved in my life, no one's helping me grow. Right. That's right. Well, you cut yourself off. Yeah, right, in a way. Just be open to feedback, right? Yeah. Like that's that's huge in, yeah. in in Christian life, I think, or just like generally, right? Just be open to feedback. Yeah, it's yeah. Huge Have to the, like uh, assume the posture of a learner, yes. of a student, yes. and say, I, like I know I've got room to grow, so show me, teach me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. yeah that's awesome. Well, we are uh, already pushing that hour. So, uh, oh, man, well, I, I had a couple of other questions. Oh, you no, do? No, 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 no. We'll wrap up. We'll have to have Tim back. Another we could time. have a part two. We'll have to have a part Buchek. two. Right. Pastor Tim Bootcheck yes. interview. And uh, continue on down this road. This has been great stuff, and I'm glad that you were able to join us. Um, yeah, thank yeah. You, thanks, for, thanks for having me. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. On, the, on the show. 
today. So uh, uh, with that, though, um, everyone, again, uh, uh, please uh, thank you for listening. And if you guys have any uh, questions uh, for Dylan and I, or uh, even we can have uh, questions for, for Tim. We'll bring him on again sometime. We uh, give Tim the hard ones. Well, yeah, we'll give him the hard ones. <laughs> yeah. We'll take the easy ones. No big deal. Uh, so please email us at two guys in a Bible podcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at two guys in a Bible. That's the number two guys in a Bible. And of course, we're on Facebook as well, uh, the number two guys in the Bible there, if you were to search for our page. So please, uh, we definitely uh, like reviews, uh, comments. Uh, we only like good comments and good reviews, <laughs> but uh, if you want to be honest, that's fine too. We, we, we value honesty. And, and, you know, just direct that all to Dylan, and that'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you again for tuning in, and Tim, thank you again for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Dylan. All right, thanks, y'all. God all bless. right, God bless. <laughs>